face in the way of the progression of his race. Can you see the pride in the panther as she urges her young all alone? The seed must grow regardless of the fact that it's planted and sown. Can't you see the pride in the panther as they unify as one? The flowers bloom, brilliance and outsides all the rays of the sun. Each bright like the rays of the sun, carries out like the rays of the sun. Keeps bright like the rays of the sun, shines bright like the new day begun. Can you see the pride in the panther as she glows in splendor and grace, toppling the obstacles placed in the way of the progression of this race? Can you see the pride in the panther as she nurtures her young all alone? The seed must grow regardless of the fact that it's been planted and sown. Can't you see the pride of the panthers as they unify as one? The flower blooms the brilliant and outshines all the rays of the sun. It outshines all the rays of the sun. Carries out like a new day for sun. It shines bright like the rays of the sun. It keeps high like a new day for sun. Shines bright like the rays of the sun. Keeps high like a new day for sun. Carry out like rays of the sun. Keep on like new day because it shine bright like the rays of the sun. Keep high like new day because it okay, shine like the rays of the sun. Come on. Keep high like new day because it shine bright like the rays of the sun. All power to the people, brothers and sisters. We're going to begin the Hassan Shakur political education class. Chairman, uh, Jake, if you could bring the slides up so we could begin. The slides should uh, be up, right? Yeah, Rob's got them up. I guess you probably want me to move to the next one, though. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Can you enlarge that though? Uh, move the other stuff from around it so that uh, we can see that only. Well, that should be the view on your end, right? No, it's uh, it's your your whole screen, so your whole browsing window. Right, but I mean, I have my browsing stuff on a separate screen from that that's full screen there shouldn't be anything else on it well what i'm saying is is we're seeing your studio menu with the slideshow in the middle like the restream studio yeah am i sharing the hold on let me let me check the screen share real quick that is what it's wrong okay you're right i'm just uh you know Stupid. Is that better? <laughs> Thank you, brothers. And so this is the first day of the Hassan Shakur education course. Uh, it's a 11 week program meant to educate and revolutionize the minds of the masses of the people, bring them into political life. The political education for any revolution is a matter of life and death. You can either go up with uh, education 
or you can either go down as a bandit or as a warlord, or in our case, as a lumping element. So we use education as a weapon for freedom, not as a means to get rich. And the Hassan education course hopefully will turn out revolutionaries, not necessarily Panthers, although we hope everyone in the world will become a Panther because Pantherism is applicable everywhere around the world. But we hope we turn out from the school revolutionaries that will go into their community and become agents of change. So that's the purpose of this course. The first duty of a revolutionary is to be educated. To be a Panther, we must understand our history, our political line, strategies to overthrow our oppressors. Upon completion of the eight week, excuse me, I said a little week, upon completion of the eight week political education program, graduates will become members of the United Panther Movement, receive recognition and be encouraged to begin organizing in their local communities. Now, brothers and sisters, as we go on, at the end of this talk, we're going to open it up for questions and answers. Uh, and if comrades want to take a pen and paper and follow along, we certainly encourage that as well. Each week, students will be assigned readings and videos to study and will convene once a week to discuss the material, interpret and break down the core concepts, questions and answers, and to prepare for next week's study materials. Remember that taking notes can be really beneficial, even audio ones, and don't be afraid to ask for help. We are all in this together. Each week, you are encouraged to bring the following quotes from the material, questions you have, your interpretation of the material, core concepts, revolutionary spirit. Pantherism, Unitary Conduct and the Enemy by Chairman Shaka Sankofa Zulu. Settle your quarrels. Come together. Understand the reality of our situation. Understand that fascism is already here, that people are already dying who could be saved, that generations more will die or live poor butchered half lives if you fail to act. Do what must be done. Discover your humanity and love and revolution. Pass on the torch. Join us. Give up your life for the people, Conrad George Jackson. Now, I want to. Uh, I just want to say something right here. You see George say here, discover, uh, uh, go right back. Uh, 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 Sorry about that. Conrad. I'm going back. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. So, George, power to the people. So, you see here, George talks about love. And I want to emphasize that because I think it's important that what motivate revolutionaries or people to stand up against systems of autocracy, authoritarianism, or capitalism, imperialism around the world is not 
a militaristic mindset. It's not this personal striving to be successful. It's the love for your neighbor. It's the love for that poor brother and that poor sister that, that don't have access to sugar and you pass them some. It's love for that elder that need to get to the hospital but the ambulance can't get there on time and you bring them some Tylenol. It's love for that prisoner who can't uh, get uh, 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 some clothes or some deodorant or some uh, kind of cosmetics and you send them a bag, a package of food or whatever. That's love that motivates people every day around the world. Every second a revolutionary is fighting against those kinds of conditions that have our people oppressed and exploited. So I want comrades to understand that love is a driving force. And here we said that. Here we said, I don't think it's great hate that motivate people. I think it's great love. And finally, before I move on, wasn't it Che Guevara that said that at the risk of seeming ridiculous let me say that the true revolutionary is motivated by love so love is a central aspect of this struggle we don't want to hear how tough you are even though we encourage you to be tough against the structures of authoritarian power we want to hear how much you love the people and that can only be determined in your social practice uh, we can move on comrade all power to the people all power to the people. Pantherism, unitary conduct, and the enemy. Who will save us? We will save ourselves. To save ourselves requires getting together by searching out those, quote, elements, displaying an actual practice, revolutionary proletarian consciousness, and reaching those elements exhibiting or who have shown an identification with pantherism, but remain uncommitted, though not due to moral flaws that contradict revolutionary panther morality. Think about that. Think about when we go out there and we step to a comrade and say, you know, we're putting together an event for Martin Luther King's uh, holiday on the 16th. Those cats that you are, you're talking to already converted to the revolution. They already a part of some kind of struggle. They already have their boots on the ground, whether it's around housing as a single issue or education as a single issue. So those are the cats that are displaying an actual practice, some kind of revolutionary or proletarian tendency. So you could talk to them. They might not agree with you. They might not say, wait, we don't dig the way you do revolutionary stuff. But those are the cats you go to first to say, look, man, we're trying to develop a revolutionary thing. We're trying to get this organization up and running. We're trying to get people uh, proletarianized, get them involved in the community around housing. Some people are going to reject you. That's okay. But that don't mean you stop there and you become bitter and you become pessimistic. And you cast doubt upon the people's ability to make change. You don't stop there. You go on. You go on now into the community, to the masses of the people, to that ignorant brother, 
that's on the block all day, or to that sister that is selling her body to feed her kids at night. She's a sex worker. Or you go to that worker who is tired and alienated and want to unionize at his job. And you say, we got a 10-point program, brother. We know you are committed right now, but we got a means by which you can address your alienation from this racist system. So you got to keep going. That's what this first slide is talking about. To save ourselves requires you get it together by searching out those elements, displaying, showing, in actual practice, revolutionary work, and reaching those elements, exhibiting, or who have shown an identification with pantherism, but remain uncommitted, though not due to moral flaws. So comrades, pantherism is the key to unity. And that's what we're talking about, all power to the people. taking a second to load okay <clears throat> so we do have a a short video here it talks about what institutions are um to be honest i'm not sure why i didn't go at the end of uh the the writing piece but i think that was an oversight on uh comrade africa and i last time well power to the people that's okay so let's go into what is institutions are essential parts of any society. Think I apologize for uh, the buffering. Oh, power to the people, brothers and sisters. We ask that you be patient with us. We're working out the tweaks right now. We'll get it together, though. So nature revolutionary work. Yeah, for sure. But do we have another slide? We could come back to that video so that way we don't have to hold. Yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. We do. All right, let's go to the next slide. We'll come back to that one next week. Let's, I want to hold. Yeah, the that's people fine. Up. Oh, power to the people. There we go by consciously selecting the most advanced elements from among the black masses for membership in New African Black Panther Party, PC, the vanguard party of New African and African Revolution, and a friend to all oppressed people, we are building a cadre of leadership capable of marshalling its energies and talents to move the party forward, even under tremendous pressure from righteous repression. Catch that. Catch that, brothers and sisters. Even under tremendous pressure from righteous repression. That's very important to keep in mind as we tra travail this land of tears that we're going to constantly be under repression. Every step of the way, the pressure is not going to welcome us because like John Henry Clark said, the enemy will never educate you so you unseat them. So every step of the way, they're going to put obstacles in our place. And we have to be ready to deal with that stuff. All power to the people. Go ahead, comrade. National liberation. 
national liberation struggle fundamentally conflicts with righteous policy. Righteous brothers and sisters only mean right wing. Any vanguard party seeking to lead the people in progressive, aggressive struggle must prearrange training for cadre and the basics of protracted struggle and a defensive and offensive class struggle of liberation. That is why we ask all future party members to serve a minimum period of time in the United Panther Movement, which is a mass-based organization that brings in all kinds of brothers and sisters interested in serving the oppressed peoples and prepare them for revolution. We want to throw the net as wide as possible in order to select from the best of the best. Okay, brothers and sisters and comrades, we probably got some mini me's on too. What are we saying here? Are we talking about being absolutist in our practice, sectarian in our practice, territorial in our practice? Are we talking about making sure that the uh, new African Black Panther Party is in, lead, is in the leadership of the revolution. That's not what we're saying here. We're saying that we want to talk to the Christian and tell the Christian the story of redemption, of transformation, and ask the Christian to get involved in this revolution. We want to talk to the Muslim and tell them the story of, of struggle, transformation, and redemption. We want to talk to the elder. We want to talk to the white brother. We want to talk to the Asian. We want to talk to the storekeeper. We want to talk to everyone because we believe we have a good message to tell. And that pantherism or revolutionary politics is capable of going up against any that is, that is in society. We're not afraid to proclaim from the highest mountain in America or the highest mountain in the world that our ideas are the ideas of the people. So what are we afraid of? We shouldn't be afraid if we are on the right side of history or believe ourselves to be on the right side of history. So we want to open the door for everybody to walk through. All power to the people. Rethinking old definitions. We have the task of redefining an actual social practice, the very words brother and sister. The bourgeoisie definition given to us by our parents must be erased from our consciousness. Bourgeois education and long usage define brother and sister as being based on biology alone for the purpose of discussing unitary social practice by the exploited slaves, sharecroppers, wage workers, and wage workers against the various ruling class forces. The primary determinant of brother and sister springs out of the sociological and environmental process we call struggle. Think about that here, comrade, comrades and brothers and sisters. When some of us see a dentist 
who may leave their practice and join the caves in Afghanistan and give their all to the Mujahideen struggle. Or we may see someone who is poor in Lebanon, who is tired of a thousand dreams deferred and join Hezbollah. We may see a peasant in Colombia who is sick and tired of the landlord or the Chiquita Fruit Company taking their land and join either FARC or the ELN, either one, I prefer ELN, and raise their weapons against their antagonists. That is a choice those comrades made. It's not a biological thing. They made a conscious choice to give their all to the struggle. And that's when a cat earned your trust. That's why you, that's when you look beside you in the trust and say, I know this brother got my back. I know this sister got my back. Because y'all have worked together in the trenches. You did the housing struggle together. You did the, the anti-police brutality rally together. You marched in the streets against prison abuse. So you saw the comrade in action and they earned your trust and they became your brother and your sister. That is the highest stage of unity. That is the highest pyramid of love that we could develop as comrades in this struggle. When I say I got your back, that means we have to implement the Asada Shakur principle. You know, the Asada Shakur principle means we leave no one behind. That's the Asada Shakur principle. We leave no one behind. All power to the people. You go on, comrade. Take, for example, a group of people who have ideology, values, culture, history, economic oppression, and colonialism in common. Based on this commonality, they organized themselves into a National Liberation Party demanding freedom. This party or formation will experience the ebb and flow of struggle, including suffering and joy. And out of the struggle for freedom will be forged new, higher relations that will be emulated by other oppressed groups who will also become their brothers and sisters. This is the period where the very terms brother and sister ring from every hall, institution, street corner, and house of the newly awakened nation and mean much more than the biological relationship of siblings. If I don't consider you my brother or my sister, 
Who are you to me? If we are of the oppressed class, we ought to be brothers and sisters in spirit and comrades in struggle for freedom or liberation. Panther love is the new here. We have to exercise panther love. We can't state this fundamental principle, brothers and sisters, more clearly than K. Guevara when he said, quote, at the risk of seeming ridiculous, let me say that the true revolutionary is guided by a great feeling of love. It is impossible to think of a genuine revolutionary lacking this quality. Mm, that, is so, that is so powerful. At the risk of seeming ridiculous. So what do you mean by this, brothers and sisters? Ridiculous. Ridiculous because people look at love as a sentimental thing. People look at love as a possessive thing, a controlling thing. People look at love as a weak thing. So when Chase say ridiculous, he's saying that People don't really understand that peasant who decide to join the July 26th movement. They don't understand that cat who decided to join the Black Panther Party. And so when they explain their reasoning for joining the movement broadly, they get laughed at. They get shooed away. They get snitched on. They become ridiculed. This is what Chase mean when he say ridiculous. Let me say at the risk of seeming ridiculous that the true revolutionary can only be motivated and driven by love for one another. This is what Chase is talking about. And that's who you are. And that's who I am. That's who all of us are. Whether you are in Africa, Latin America, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, or here in Babylon, you and I suffer a worldwide capitalist imperialist system of domination. Therefore, we must have a worldwide response to that. And love as a revolutionary thing can hold all of us together. Love is not weak, brothers and sisters. Love is not simply sentimental. Love is that thing that binds us, wherever we are in the world, to one another. Whenever you see an act of injustice, your feelings are stirred up. You find it repugnant and you want to do something about it. That's love. That's love. What else could you want to call it? Are you driven by, are you doing this because you want some money? You want status? You want to put your life on the line for that? Because you want to be known? A celebrity? No. Real revolutionaries don't care about that stuff. And before I go on, here's a little antidote. Che Guevara was coming to the United States. Uh, I think it was in 63 or 64. And one of the star 
crazed uh, people of the United States, you know, we love our celebrities, ran up to Che Guevara and said, Ah, oh, can I get an autograph? Uh, you're such a star to me. Che Guevara said, I'm not a star, I'm a revolutionary. I don't sign autographs. That's very important to think about. Think about that. Che drew a line in the sand right there in there. Don't confuse me with those who are at the money, at the status, at the celebrity, at the image. And that's how we have to be motivated. We could go on, comrade. All power to the people. All, po <clears throat> All power. It is this abhorrent sentiment we must uphold with one another. Love should motivate, and love should bind us together. Love, let love heal us and strengthen us. Capitalism is the enemy. And brothers and sisters, when I complete this uh, uh, essay here, I'm gonna open the floor up for discussion and uh, Chairman Jake will facilitate that discussion. it will be a 15 minute discussion. And whatever questions, answers you have, you can either pose it to myself or to anyone in general. So that, uh, that'll happen right after this particular essay here, capitalism is the enemy. Oh yeah, we had this video too, the, uh, the Richard Wolf lecture. Um, I'm sure you remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah we'll come back to that. Yeah, yep. let's just go to the next yep. slide, yeah. I'm not sure why my computer's lagging so bad today. Usually, uh... It's usually on point, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was to, uh... That was actually relevant. Uh, the first time that we did the class, we were talking about, uh... The protest to the, the fascist that was elected in, um... Italy at the time. Now, there we go. All power to the people. To be free from vampire capitalism requires that at some phase of the social revolution, the vampire must be denied the blood of people to suck. Catch that. To be free from vampire capitalism requires that at some phase of the social revolution, the vampire must be denied the blood of the people to suck. Here is how we define social revolution. Quote, the total breakup of the existing system of wage slavery. The political and economic structure of monopoly capitalism has no redeeming values worthy of preservation. Now, let me stop here and talk a little bit about vampire capitalism or neoliberalism whatever you want to call it. When we talk about capitalism ha having no redeeming value, there have been 150 years worth of capitalist practice for us to determine 
whether it is beneficial for humanity or whether it is beneficial for a slice of humanity. We have had 150 years to determine capitalism's redeeming values by looking at World War One, which was a scramble for colonial possessions around the world. Remember 1884-85, they had the Berlin Conference that divided Africa up. You take the East, Portuguese. You take the West, Britain. You take the uh, South, Britain. United States, you take the West. We're going to have some peace. We're not going to fight over this stuff no more. These darkies, these Negroes, subhumans. You... Germany even had his hand in Namibia. Y'all remember what happened in 1901 in Namibia where Germany was there? Murdered over 200,000 Herero people. That's why today they're paying them uh, so-called reparations. United Nations made them pay reparations to the Herero people in Namibia. I ain't got to talk about World War II. Some of our parents served there. You sort of do you the horrors of World War II. It was another war for colonial possession, for capitalism's expansion and control and domination. Millions of and people were slaughtered. And it was the bravery, the courage, the audacity of the communist forces in the Soviet Union that stopped the Nazis and Stalingrad. 28 million communists lost their lives in Russia, defeating Hitler. Don't believe that propaganda of the West that they defeated Hitler. Um, can I just like throw out that there is a Russian-made documentary series called Soviet Storm that's available for free on YouTube that talks about the Eastern Front. Um, I think it's 14 episodes, something like that. But they, they really go into detail about how brutal the invasion was and how difficult it was to... Um, you know, throw back the Nazi beast, but it really gives, I think, uh, a better picture than any <laughs> any documentary produced in the West about how brutal the Eastern Front was. Oh, power to the people. So we have had 150 years to make an observation and an analysis of capitalism. I don't have to talk about, the, I'm not even gonna talk about the transatlantic slave trade, which gave birth to the expansion of capitalism and all that stuff. So why should we consider this system as being worthy of preservation right now when it comes to our struggling in these communities? We have to have a different way of looking at economics and looking at social relationships. And that is through socialism. Give it a shot, study it. All it means is I all it means is I want for you what I want for myself. All it means is what's on the ground and under the ground belongs to the people and not to the one percent. 
not to the ruling class oppressors and uh, uh, exploiters. Socialism only means I want to share my bread with you. That's all it means. Capitalism is not a system to, uh, uh, sanctified and ordained by God. United States is not the only country that produces toilets. Other countries know how to produce toilets around the world. Socialism know how to make a toilet. They know how to make a house. So that's important, brothers and sisters. We can't keep struggling in the continuum or the lenses of capitalism or ideology. We're not going to get anywhere. That's why we call for the total breakup of the existing system of wage slavery. We want to break it all up. We don't want to just kick the oppressors out of power and we take their place. And on ABC News, you see our face as such a big disgrace because we're doing nothing but replacing our oppressors, shifting personnel, moving bodies around while the system of white supremacy is still in place. So we got a high face in a high place, but the masses still live in disgrace. No part of it can be used in the new social order we're striving to build. Go on, comrade. We can't just get rid of every vestige. We can't just get rid of every vestige of it overnight, excuse me, brothers and sisters. Even after the monopoly capitalists are overthrown, aspects of the social organization of capitalism will linger on for quite a while. And we will have to struggle resolutely and consciously to root them out and replace them with new socialist relations. We can't stop halfway. I'm gonna stop right here because uh, I think it's apropos. Uh, I don't know who we have on this call, but I want comrades to, you know, just think about what this passage just said. Can't just get rid of every vestige of it overnight. Even after the monopolists, our enemies, are overthrown and no longer in power, we will still have aspects of sexism about us. We will still have aspects of egotism about us. We will still have aspects of criminal thinking about us. We will still have aspects of people wanting to use their position to rest on their laurels while the masses of the people continue to build a new society. We're gonna have brothers and sisters that still use the n-word we're going to have sisters that eternalize themselves and look at themselves as bees because we can't get rid of that stuff as soon as we having a revolution 
That's why a cultural thing, revolution is important. We got to constantly be at each other's backs, each other's fronts, saying, listen, brother, we got to build this house in a righteous way. We got to take this money to the national bank. Or we got to deal with this sister in a respectful way. That's how you continue to struggle after the revolution. The principles continue to guide you. The ideology continue to guide you. You don't have a revolution and then sit back and say, all is well. The frogs going to chirp. The birds will come out tomorrow. And the masses will go on working. That's not how revolution works. And any revolutionary leader or any revolutionary organization that purport to lead the masses and utilize a tactic like this are only leading the masses downhill, ultimately to a quagmire of failure. So it's important, brothers and sisters, we don't stop halfway. When, when you get upset at me, I don't want to talk to the other comrades. We, when you don't get your way, I want to leave the organization. Or when your idea doesn't come up through the ranks and it's considered by the Central Committee, they're not listening to me. Those are vestiges of capitalist thinking, of individualism, of bourgeois thinking. And that stuff is going to come with us, brothers and sisters, as we go over into the land of freedom. So we're not just simply talking about Donald Trump or Biden or the next black mayor or the next white mayor. We're talking about consciously educating the masses in a spirit that will enable them to become agents of revolutionary change in their community, a part of the people they are a part of, building where they are at, taking what they have, fashioning it, weaponizing it into an instrument that will help the people to survive at the same time be a bulwark against the repression of the enemy state. That's what we're trying to do. We can't stop halfway. We're not in this because of feelings or because you look beautiful or you may have nice dreads or you can sing a rock and roll song. We in this because we know if we are not the fighters of the future, there will be no future. All of us have a responsibility. All of us have a task. And that is to make sure everything that we do keeps us guided on the right track and not become distracted by our success. So I'm gonna stop here, Chairman Jake, and open up the floor for discussions amongst the comrades. We're gonna have a 15-minute discussion, and if comrades have any questions pertaining uh, not just to 
uh, what you just heard today, but any ideas or events that you are a part of and you want to relate it to the study that you heard today, you, you are more than welcome to do that. So I'm going to turn it over now to uh, Chairman Jake for question and answer. All power to the people, Chairman. All power. Um, just to provoke a little bit of discussion and try to help you guys along with questions and these kinds of things. Um, I'm being, it might help to reiterate. Uh, I mean, I, I almost feel like I'm uh, a dead horse because Shaka got it pretty well, but um, in a sense that, that the 13th Amendment uh, allowed for, for slavery to continue in the United States uh, after it was formally abolished. Um, that is a vestige of a, of a previous era. And in that same way, a lot of the behaviors, especially within the party, parties uh, or revolutionary movement as a whole, um, there will continue to be vestiges in many of the people around that, that you will find yourself around will actually be capitalists who committed class suicide in some form or another, um, you know, or trying to, some of them trying to just stay alive. Um, and of course, these are the kinds of people who will want very quickly uh, to bring society back to the place that it was. Um, and so, and they, they will be a vestige and they will try to bring forward policy and to build institutions um, to try to bureaucratize the state um, many, many different ways so that they can bring it back to the, to the way it was. And what Chuck is saying is that that is actually going to be ongoing from this point forward. It has been ongoing for a long time. Many people in the movement uh, harbor these ideas, these behaviors, Many of them have a position in society that is not equal to the ideals that they have, uh, the positions that they hold. Um, so these are things that uh, I think are important to keep in mind uh, as well. So uh, going along those lines, um, does anybody have any questions or commentary on that matter? And the floor is open. You can raise your hand here, or you can just start talking. Okay, so it's, it's looking like on that we don't have any questions. So well, what are you guys doing, man? What are you guys doing out there? What you got going on on the ground? I don't need every detail. I just want to know the basics. Um, Rob and I have been working on trying to, um, I don't know if you've seen anything about the unhoused communities in Rhode Island being displaced. Um, that is something that Rob and I have been focusing on lately. Um, we've been trying to network and, and like he's new out there and I'm pretty, we're pretty siloed around here. So it's, um, we're trying to really network and like get local people that know the area more so right now so it's definitely the beginning stages of it but that's 
probably the most um actually like active work that i've been doing or what i've been trying to work on lately. absolutely and uh tenants rights and uh also the homeless community these are two areas that are in desperate need of organization one of the things that i talk about often and this is kind of echoed by what shaka said earlier uh is you know in this he was talking about how you can uh, you know sharing Tylenol or sugar is a, an act of love it's also an act of solidarity and it's a spontaneous uh, act of solidarity and uh, one of the things that's that's needed is to transform these kinds of things into organized acts of solidarity and so, so for example when you go out and you give a new tent or a sleeping bag to a homeless person you affect the life of one homeless person and that's well and good but they truly live in a society of abundance and they have access to more resources than virtually anybody on the planet even though they're homeless and so organizing them along those lines they can liberate themselves in this way and so arming communities with the tools and the knowledge to do that uh, helping them achieve those things getting these many many thousands of small spontaneous acts of solidarity that happen in right in your community every single day getting those things organized together into a food program into uh you know a sleeping bag program into a, a busing program these kinds of things are what alleviates many of the different contradictions that people face and organizes them toward a class collision and that is what we're ultimately trying to do so uh, uh, what you and rob are doing i think is excellent uh, uh, that and, and it's like this all over the country too i mean skyrocketing rent uh cost of utilities is increasing uh landlords large and far and wide don't give a fuck about anybody um organizing them toward you know unionizing themselves toward housing um maybe not even doing it formally i mean these are things that are important you know uh, so i think it's place for you guys to start anybody else here want to chime in on what they've got going on in their community if not i guess we go right back to the study then uh, uh, uh nobody else have anything they would like to bring up or talk about well, um, good evening. Uh, um, this is uh, Cynthia. Oh, power. Uh, power. Um, you know, there's a constant battle, um, just as you guys are doing with the housing issues. And you know, one of the the unfortunate drawbacks to this is it eventually the landlords start ganging up on each individual person. I mean, I opened up some packages, um, Chairman. Uh, uh, I've got like two big major law firms coming at me so they swing i swing but it's still somehow it's making a difference but if we don't like you know like you guys are getting organized if we don't get organized and start working through the communities um it's going to be that way because their ultimate goal is, is to isolate a single one person out and attack on every level um yeah it, it makes me weary, but uh unfortunately for them i am actually i uh, was raised by a strong black woman who just didn't play those games so I follow with the strength of my mom um, everywhere I go because she actually was 
was a casualty of some of this landlord nonsense. So it is the organizing and uh, whatever anybody has going on, I would love to be a part of it. So um, just always keep in mind. Thanks. Absolutely. And, you know, this is actually speaking to a real issue that uh, is, is universal, really. I mean, when we're talking about organizing people toward a class collision, capitalists don't want you going in that direction. They want you going in the opposite direction in the same sense that Huey Newton talked about dialectics, an example of that being a car crash, right? They don't want you coming directly toward their car. They want you going in the opposite direction. And so, um, you know, we have to take in mind, take into account the fact that they're going to do everything they can to single each and every person out who is an organizer. You see this in unions. You see this in, uh, you, you know, with the police, they crack down at people who organize homeless people. Uh, I mean, on and on. Um, and so, and a lot of this is actually illegal under their own system. I mean, if you don't live in that building, it's not illegal to 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 give somebody a piece of paper, you know? Um, it, you, it may, it, they may have restrictions on where you can post it, but there's nothing wrong with you handing it to somebody. And so, you know, yeah, or it's communicating with people, you know, or people just freely associating. These are things that are, that are not illegal under the system. Uh, only in certain contexts, certain localities uh, can that be broken up. Uh, so, you, you know, part of it's being vigilant. The other is what we're trying to do here is the education. Um, because, you know, a lot of people don't have the wherewithal or uh, the, I'd argue, the real philosophical justification needed to see where they're headed, if you see what I'm trying to say. So, uh, if people aren't educated toward being really rock solid in standing strong against people like landlords, against cops, knowing their rights, knowing what resources they have available to them, and knowing why it's needed and justified that they can continue uh, being organized or organizing in that way, uh, many of them will 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 just bow out. It's not worth what it's not worth the trouble to them. You know, but in the long run, it is. It's always worth the trouble. So, uh, I'm glad. I'm so glad to hear about you guys' uh, uh, housing initiative. <laughs> we have anybody else who wants to speak up on uh, what's going on? We got some, uh, uh, I'm just going to intervene, uh, Chairman Jake. We got some uh, pretty heavy hitters on this uh, call here. And I just looked at it. I'm going to call some people out uh, in a minute. Um, but we're going to give it about five more minutes before we go on to the study. Uh, but we certainly hope that some of you comrades uh, will give us uh, some of your wisdom uh, 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 the next time around. All power to the people. Yeah, and just real briefly before you you uh, go on to the next section here, um, you know that's really needed because we 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 talk about education and we talk about our principle, right? And our principle is collectivism, um, but a lot of times we end up replicating the Prussian model for our education. In reality, we need to be practicing that on a collectivized level here too. So, I mean, these things need to we we need to discuss these things and in mass and bounce ideas off each other, you know, 
So it's not just that classroom model. But anyway, all right, all power, Chairman. All power to the people. So are we going back to the um the study, yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. So we stopped that, brothers and sisters. There you go. Thank you, comrade. The law that protects capitalist existence has lost its ability to be fair and impartial. And so it must face the trash heap with its maker. We can't hate white supremacist oppression, but love is natural our growth, i.e. capitalism, which was born from the stolen resources and labor, the people, excuse, excuse me, which was born from the stolen resources and labor power of the people of underdeveloped nations, let's just say labor power. Capitalist law was instituted and put in place to repress ethnic and national oppressed groups and to protect capitalist property nations. And you just heard the sister here, Cynthia, say that she is fighting against these uh, 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 landlord uh, companies that are, are trying to uh, repress her. And so this spells it out right here. Capitalist law. I'm talking about law itself. Like if you cross the street and the police can lock you up, has the capacity to not, not only weaken and diffuse the revolutionary movement, but it also has the capacity to weaken and destroy the individual confidence of a person that's going up against it. The law could throw you in prison. So you lose confidence when you have to go before that judge. And that judge say, well, you're facing 80 years if you go to trial. And so you cop out, knowing you're innocent. And that's how this enemy system thrives. 90%, I think 85 to 90% of cases in the enemy court is adjudicated through a plea bargain. Because they tell you, if you don't take this, we're going to whip you with this. So the law, capitalism's law, protects those in power. It'll tell you, uh, we're fair, we're for everybody. But when you look at his practice, how they treat the native people, you see it, they on reservations. During COVID, they had to go thousands of miles, go to a hospital on their land. Turtle Island, no water, run down housing when COVID initially hit i forget which tribe it was but they asked the federal government for like you know assistance in medical supplies and they sent fucking body bags oh power to the people so my point comrades is that capitalism the law will never equalize the social relations amongst the people it will never give us a part of, or half of its power. It give you the crust that falls after they slice the pie. They wouldn't even hand you a piece of crust. They say, pick it off the ground. 
Oh, wait till we get done eating the pie and you could come and get the crust. So capitalism, the law itself must not be respected as a law of justice. Mumia Abu-Jamal called it the cold hand of fascism. He said American law is bourgeois law. It is the cold hand of fascism. Just think about why you don't see Fred Hampton no more. Why Mumia Abu-Jamal is locked up. Why Africa is under the bombs of Africa command? Why is there a proxy war in Eastern Europe and Ukraine? Why is Latin America, every time they elect the leftists, they have to face restrictions from the World Bank, World Trade Organization. United States want to raise up a puppet mercenary army to go in there to cause trouble, to sabotage. Why is Puerto Rico still a colony? Can't even vote. Can't even vote for a president. Because capitalist law has designed it that way. You and I are not predisposed to be oppressed to be the lap dog of this system. We're not predisposed, poor people are not predisposed to be this way. The system set it up that way and they put prisons and laws in to make sure that their system is not threatened. So capitalist law was instituted and put in place to repress ethnic and national oppressed groups and to protect capitalist property relations. And since 95% of property is in the hands of a few families in America, the law basically protects and serves 5% of people who make up the ruling class. New laws and a new constitution will have to be written and amended as we move forward. Laws that reflect and protect the new social relations, serve the growth of people's power, prevent a return to the old ways of exploitation and injustice. As this is being written, the vampire ruling class is going through an international fight over economic markets and resources that were divided between individual white nations for imperialist exploitation. Catch that. And I wrote this document when I was in prison, in a prison cell between dank and nasty yellow walls with only a pen and paper, locked up 24 seven in Trenton State Prison's administrative segregation. I wrote this document. And look how apropos it is to what's happening right now. As this is being written, the vampire ruling class is growing through an international fight or economic markets and resources that were divided between individual white nations for imperialist exploitation. Let's think about Ukraine. No longer do various white nations claim individual 
underdeveloped nations as their exclusive domain to, to exploit as colonies. But that has not changed the drive and zeal and zest of former colonizers to impose privatization schemes micromanaged by the World Bank and International Monetary Fund. And the scramble to control fees is sharp. Neocolonialism. Neocolonialism is the continuation or reimposition of imperialist rule by state, usually a former colonial power, over another nominally independent state, usually a former colony. Neocolonialism takes the form of economic imperialism, globalization, cultural imperialism, and conditional aid to influence or control a developing country instead of the previous colonial methods of direct military control or indirect political control. Hegemony. Now we're gonna break a lot of this stuff down over the coming uh, week. Uh, there's terms here that comrades uh, may not be familiar with and that's okay. Uh, uh, once you are acclimated to the study Terms like imperialism, globalization, cultural imperialism will become second nature to you. It's like becoming a nurse. When you first go into the hospital, you're a little uh, you're a little shaky. You 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 feel like you may not get it right, you know. But after two or three times of working with the doctor or the nurse, you be comfortable in your role, and you know you learn the language of the hospital. It's the same way with revolution. You're going to learn this language as you go deeper and deeper into your commitment to the freedom struggle. So neocolonialism takes the form of economic imperialism, globalization, cultural imperialism, and conditional aid to influence or control a developing country instead of the previous colonial methods of direct military control or indirect political control, hegemony. Neo, neoliberalism, and I'm going to stop it because our study normally is at 8.30, brothers and sisters, and I'm going to open it up for 10 minutes of discussion, and then we're going to close it out. But I'm going to read two slides of neoliberalism and ask our comrades and brothers and sisters to chime in and give us some wisdom that will help strengthen us as we go forward tomorrow in our struggle to overturn this enemy system. So neoliberalism is a term used to signify the political reappearance of 19th century ideas associated with free market capitalism. A prominent factor in the rise of conservative and libertarian organizations, political parties, and think tanks, and predominantly advocated by them. It is generally associated with policies of economic liberalization, including privatization, deregulation, globalization, free trade, monetarism, austerity, and reduction in government spending in order to increase the role of the private sector in the economy and society. What it is saying here is that uh, neoliberalism is going to privatize everything. It's gonna be commodified. It's gonna, you're gonna need a nickel or a dime to purchase it. That's what it's saying. Neoliberalism wants to hand 
every aspect of state over to the private sector. That's their role, that's their function, and that's what they're doing right now in the world. The defining feature of neoliberalism in both thought and practice have been the subject of substantial scholarly debate. I just want to, uh, austerity is a term that gets thrown around in like European news a lot, right? And a good way to think about austerity is uh, um, the state pushing the poor for the mistakes of the capitalist class. Well, it's not even mistakes. They're doing it on purpose, but you get my point. Uh, that, that's, that's a good example, a wonderful example. Cuba, let's look at Cuba. Cuba is being punished. You know, neoliberalism wants to suck up all the sugarcane in Cuba and bring it to the United States. They want the proud and noble people of Cuba to turn into America's prostitutes again. They want the mafia to go back over there and have their way with controlling the economic system. That's what neoliberalism wants. They want to welcome in the mafia, but they want to excommunicate the, 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 the revolutionary. So that should tell you something right there. Right. The International Monetary Fund, World Bank, and other banking and financial lending institutions have come up with a slick way of reopposing control over underdeveloped nations by neocolonial rule that consists of economic exploitation, economic aid, puppet governments, and military assistance. What is economic exploitation? It is a system by which the worker is deprived of their rightful wage, whether it is a peasant or a factory worker. Economic exploitation is the landlord raising the rent. Economic exploitation is the cat on the block charging, charging usury because you ask for a loan. Economic exploitation is thinking that you can use the sexuality of someone uh, uh, because you are a big shot and you want them to be at your beck and service. Economic aid is giving you uh, money so you can open up your hospital in Africa or the Caribbean. Economic aid comes from Britain. Economic aid comes from France. Economic aid comes from the United States and Germany. Economic aid is what Thomas Sakura called another form of imperialist control. Because the country that is giving you the aid is going to tell you in order to purchase the tools that you need to run the education facility, to run the hospital, you have to buy it from the United States companies. You can't even use the money you're borrowing from the World Bank to build up your own budding institutions in your own country because those are conditions that are put upon you getting that check. Economic aid is another form or reimposition of neocolonialism, puppet governments, and military assistance. You see that all around the world. 
I don't have to tell you what a puppet government is. You Sam, Israel, puppet government. Saudi Arabia, puppet government. South Korea, puppet government. The whole of Africa, puppet government. That's right, I said it. The whole of Africa is nothing but a one big puppet government ruled by fascist military folks in power right now. All these goddamn coups they have in Africa. And that's because France controlled 14 countries in West Africa. West Africa can't even have their own uh, 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 prime minister uh, unless they go to France. They don't even have their own money because they are part of the Francophone. Puppet governments are everywhere. Uh, Ukraine is a puppet government, a neo-Nazi government. Yep. One thing that the media never talks about when they talk about the Ukraine conflict is they, they don't talk about the Maidan coup in 2014 that was backed by the United States and NATO. Exactly. In 2014, Hillary Clinton and others, but Hillary Clinton is a good whipping dog for my point. She went over there, took pictures with the Agzov Battalion, a racist neo-Nazi. They put the current puppet or his organization in power. They, 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 they had a so-called orange revolution that was engineered by the CIA. In the United States since 2014 have been sending money and weapons to prop up this puppet government. This ain't a real government. We could go on, comrade. Though the US ruling class has emerged as the victor in this international fight, monopoly capitalists from all over Europe, Japan, and elsewhere are moving their capital overseas to markets with cheap labor and no labor laws so that they can make a huge print off their investments. Following the law of the maximization of the rate of profit, we must oppose this by international solidarity and struggle. So in the seeds of world socialist revolution, and we must remember what Vian Lenin said 100 years ago. Brothers and sisters, comrades, communes, Soviets, revolutionaries around the world. This is where there could be no equality between the exploiters. There could be no equality between the exploiters who for many generations have stood out because of their education, conditions of wealthy life and habits and the exploited, the majority of whom, even in the most advanced and most democratic bourgeois republics are downtrodden, backward, ignorant, intimidated, and disunited. There could be no equality between the exploiters and the exploited. With that as a backdrop, brothers and sisters, we will stop petitioning Congress they give us some justice. They are the exploiters. 
we might as well stop asking Pepsi to invest in our community. They are the exploiters. We must stop asking that the government give us affordable housing when that new term of exploitation. Housing is a human right. All power so to the people. To you, so what I'm saying to you, comrades, brothers and sisters, never for one second be deluded and confused and associate yourself with those who have killed Sitting Bull and Geronimo, with those who have hung John Brown and, and slayed Nat Turner. Never confuse yourself with those who snuck into Fred Hampton's bedroom and put a bullet in his head and the attorney general. Never confuse yourself with those who patrol and control our communities in the form of police and those brothers and sisters on the street that are being controlled and patrolled by the police. They are the agents of the state. They are an arm or a weapon of brutality. The police are there to repress us. They are the, the weapon, the hired weapon of the exploiter. All we got is ourselves at the bottom. The proletarians, the workers, the underclass, the lumping. That's all we got. And when we depend on ourselves, when we become our own liberators, then we could start looking to the petty bourgeoisie and they see the strength of our power, they're gonna swing our way. But as long as they sense we're playing games, as long as that sense we're going halfway, they're going to stay with the exploiters while their house is predicated on them staying with the exploiters. The job, their status, everything they had, they look at us and say, huh, you think I'm going to put everything on the line for that? They ain't going nowhere. But once we understand and there's a line in the sand, there's no unity with those who are responsible for war crimes against humanity and its victims. And on that note, brothers and sisters, our study ends at 8.30. I want to open it up, uh, turn it over to Chairman Jake again for uh, five to 10 minutes of discussion. We're going to end the class as we normally do uh, with all power to the people. But I want to invite comrades to chime in to talk about what they have heard today and try to relate it to any ideas that you're struggling with, any opinions that uh, you need clarity on, any uh, organizations that you are part of and you want to bring some clarity to a particular point that you may have heard. We welcome your uh, wisdom. And on that note, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Chairman Jake so he can invite the uh, comrade masses in for their opinions. All power to the people. All power. Um, so I want to highlight uh, an aspect here that I think is 
was not explicitly stated, but will be covered later on in the class. Um, and it's that's revolutionary intercommunalism. Most most of what we've heard here, as far as the imperialist aspects of this uh, this discussion, uh, flow out of that, and it's the idea that essentially you can't have uh, national sovereignty in places that are outside of the empire. So, uh, uh, in places like uh, you know. Ghana and uh, countries in, in Southeast Asia, countries in South America. These are places that there is a real fight, a struggle for, for self-determination. It's also happening within the empire, too. And this is the thing that uh, uh, Huey really hit home on. In places like Puerto Rico, uh, in uh, the, the, the colony of New Africa, Right, the idea that there are these these uh, suppressed nations and they exist all over the world, and the only reason they don't exist is because they're in they're they're essentially in a, in a land that is completely controlled, whether it's econo uh, economically and directly through these major financial institutions like the IMF, the uh, World Bank, these kinds of institutions, or directly. Uh, through the use of force on behalf of the empire uh, and its allies. So what ends up happening is, is if a, 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 a leader comes to power who has a popular movement backing him, that leader gets either assassinated, bought, or the country get, gets into a, a major military conflict. And you see this every few years. So... Um, so that's basically, you know, that's one facet of this that needs to be remembered. Why is this happening? Well, you might have a, a certain set of resources in one country. For example, maybe it's rubber in South America. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's uh, nibidium mines. Maybe it's neodymium mines, right, for the for magnets right these are these are resources that you can only find in a handful of countries on the planet and so and oil things like that as well so what happens is you know there's a, a, a there's a, a union that takes over a mine in in, uh, in africa or a, a militant organization that moves in and then disrupts production what are you going to do about that your, your economy depends on it if you're in the u.s it's a matter of national security for the U.S. to intervene in a situation like that. And so it is also a matter of national security for them to intervene in the exchanges of power when leaders are elected in other countries or when leaders are overthrown in other countries. And so the idea is that there are actually national identities that people have on the ground um, all over the world that vary and they're different than the ones that they actually live in. What's to say of these places? These are called communities. And so when we say we're revolutionary anti-communalists, we're talking about how we support these communities across the world in their fight for self-determination. And we pay a, play a pivotal role in that because here in the empire, 
we have the very privileged position of being able to take down the beast from the inside. And they are relying on us and we are relying on them. And we have to work together to achieve that goal. So, um, so, and you know, this plays into all the different discussions that have, that have been had here, uh, including the right, you know, the right to housing and on and on. So uh, I would like to open the floor to discuss the, uh, you know, what, what your view is on in the empire specifically uh, on, on these, uh, on this right to self-determination in these various nations. So with that, the floor is open for anybody. I know we can have some great discussion on this because we got we got a brown beret in here, we got we got a young lord in here, uh, we got a, we got a black panther in here. You know what I mean? So I mean, where what is your guys' view on this? Seriously, come on. You know that you know that this empire is out here uh, extracting these resources. They've stolen this land. I mean. I guess if nobody else is going to go. <laughs> oh, Tom put his hand up. There we go. Oh, you can. We can hear you. Hear yep. Go ahead, Rob. Oh, I, I was going to say that basically the right to self-determination is the first step in being able to accomplish literally anything else. Absolutely. You know, what are the steps that we have to take to get there? You know, uh, what what's the, the the method that we use to get there? And you know it as well as I do. It's it's developing that dual power situation. And where does that start? That starts in the community. It starts with building a survival program, because mm -hmm. not only does they get this through, but it serves as a, a proto institution for them to grasp and to change, to transform into something uh, that will eventually become things like uh you know a military you know that comes out of neighborhood watch that comes out of patrolling the streets you know it's a very proto form but it's one thing transforming it to another and it's very dialectical so um and that starts it starts with community gardens that's what mm -hmm. turns you that's what turns into into farms it starts with having a community council that's what turns into a government you know and it's these things that get people through they survive long enough in order to make the transformation of that proto-institution into a working institution possible you know once that situation has developed enough you get a critical point where it becomes a contender for power with the existing government with the existing economic system and so developing these things communities need to take these these they need to see it as a, an obligation it's a matter of life and death for them. So, it is. you know, and I'm not just talking about neighborhoods. I'm talking about, uh, you know, along the racial lines, along the 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 male and female line and the, the intersex line, you know, uh, and on and on and all the ways that we've been fragmented. You know, these communities need to come together and develop this kind of a dual power situation. You know, it's the only way we're going to survive. So 
Uh, Tom, you have your hand up. Yeah. Um, let me put it down. Uh, one of the things that Levin talks about is uh, two periods in the national question. Uh, the one period being the period of rising capitalism and the second period of capitalism ready for uh, socialist revolution. And in the, the rising period, you're developing national economies. But in the second period, what becomes dominant is the international unity of capital and the creation of a world economy. And to move forward from this stage, we need to seize control of the world uh, economy and have it you know, run by a, a, a world dictatorship of the proletariat because national economies don't exist anymore. And so that, you know, like magnifies the importance of building uh, global unity between the, the proletariat of all the different countries and, and taking down imperialism uh, on a global scale. It's like we look at our country which is the, the, the dominant uh, one in, the, in international imperialism, our military isn't primarily based in the United States. Our military is all over the world. So for us to bring in our government, we have to overthrow that military all over the world. You know, and more and more we see the need for uh, a world Wide revolution and a worldwide unity of all the proletariats and all the uh, mass movements as the, the predominant factor. And uh, <clears throat> not having a communist international is crippling right now. You know, because we're, we're not able to coordinate very well. Uh, we're able to develop a common strategy um, and that's something we have to you know address in the period of building towards revolution we can't just you can't just liberate one little piece and and break away from it the way you could you know in, in a, a previous period you know uh, so it becomes uh, important that we not only prepare people for socialist consciousness, but we prepare people for global consciousness, for being able to think in terms of the whole world, and not just their little corner of it. Um, in the comments, uh, somebody said, "How Corbin said, how can any community transform when the media is being controlled? Not to be defeatist, if anything, this should emphasize the necessity of all of us actively creating relationships in our community. And uh, I lost the spot. And uh, furthering the discussion by these means, however, in the face of so 
many reactionaries. I cannot say I honestly believe this to be enough. Um, I think making our own media is a piece of, of that. Um, you know, conversations in our communities are part of it. Uh, classes like this are part of it. Um, so are podcasts, newsletters, newspapers, talk shows, flyering. But uh, I mean, it's going to take all of us. There's another piece to this too. We have to keep in mind that the internet, though it is widespread and used by everybody, it is not a reflection, even a reflection of the real world. The real world happens right outside your door. It's the real tangible things that you can do to, with people in your community and you will find, and I have found, that even the most reactionary, you know, you, a borderline backward person who's flying a Confederate flag in their front yard will have the same common needs that you do. And they will still recognize that, hey, uh, you know, the cost of energy has gone up significantly over the past, past two years. And I am struggling to make that, to meet that demand. They will recognize this commonality. And it is only really, when it comes to that, it's only really the fascists who won't even recognize common humanity, which is the core thing. It's the first thing you start with. Um, that, you know, it, really only with them will you, you not be able to find this common ground. Uh, even with them, they will they will just won't acknowledge it. I mean, this is how vehemently reactionary these people are. Now, as far as the media goes, I completely agree with Rob, and I would take it a step further, too. I mean, it's not like we have access to factories producing video cameras, but we need to have that. I was you know going to say, I mean? yet. <laughs> I mean, this, this, it's very, the media is very deeply tied to the actual mode of production itself as well. They are a reflection, the, the, especially the views they give. It's a reflection of that mode of production. So along with build, building our own, own uh, uh, you know, media outlets and these kinds of things, we actually have you know, directly participate in seizure over, over these things as well. And that's the part that I actually missed that I think Tom highlighted very well. It's not just of the survival program in the sense that we network and build government and have a garden and do all these things. We actually have to go out and take the existing infrastructure. We have to organize the existing masses. And you can't do that by the internet. Well said. Tom. Yeah, just to give an example. I mean, sometimes we think, well, people aren't, uh, you know, on the same level that we're at, so that means we can't talk to them or we can't win their support. Uh, I remember one time when uh, I, myself and two other comrades uh, were fired from a factory that I was working at, and when we had the hearing in front of the NLRB, uh, the union was selling us out. Uh, there was like a majority of the workers from the factory protesting out in the sidewalk, um, you know, wearing t shirts that said, Bring back Mark Tom and Bobby. Um, you know, the fact that we were communists didn't put them off, even though the majority of the people out there were Republicans or Democrats or you know, but because they 
saw that we were needing a struggle in their interest, um, you know, they you know, they stood with us as fellow proletarians, you know. You should never underestimate the ability of people to figure out who side you're on or what side you're on, you know. Class consciousness is out there, even though it isn't at the level of Marxism, uh, people know they're getting screwed. And if you're, if you're fighting for their interests, people will now behind you. You know, a lot of these these institutions, these the really the infrastructure itself, have ideas tied behind them to insert social concepts. And this comes out of uh, social production. Right. So, you know, there's a certain set of social relations that people have to the factory line, for example, right? You go in and you punch the card and you might chat for your, you know, and then there's like a certain way that you move through society now that you're a wage slave and a certain relationship you have with your family and all these kinds of things. And it comes out of the mode of production. And so another thing about this as well is getting people to relate to these things differently through the organization. So like a union, you have a very different different level of interaction with each other, with your, you know, your coworkers, uh, and, you know, even with your family than you do if you're a non-union person. It's really fragmented and individualized, whereas the other way, it's slightly different. I mean, under our conditions with unions, it's becoming more atomized. It has been for a long time, but and you may not even really feel like you're represented by anybody there at all, you know. But uh, my point is to say that we need to get people to relate to these things differently through our organizing, and it's important to know where we're going with that. You see what I'm trying to say here? Um, they they need to to see the goal. They need to have education that gets them there. So uh, raising that consciousness is is key as well. All power to the people. Uh, I want to thank all of the brothers and sisters that chimed in. Hopefully next week we have uh, more participation. But it's the first week. Uh, we still got seven more to go. Uh, I want to leave you on this note, and I think it's very important. And that is that whatever we do, remember that if we are repressed or if we win, remember that truth crushed to the earth shall rise again. That is the spirit that guides all of us. You know, Chase said, if I am defeated, hopefully a hand will reach up and carry my shotgun forward. You know, Kwame Sankofa, excuse me, Kwame Nkrumah of Ghana said it slightly different, but share same synonym. You know, that Africa will rise because Africa deserves its place on the world stage. That's the spirit that God's strugglers in the community. So don't be discouraged by the landlord. Don't be discouraged by the school superintendent, you know, or the police force, or the stubborn, ignorant mayor. 
who's nothing but a flunky of the power structure because truth will rise again because oppressed people will not stop fighting. And when you don't stop fighting, you'll never be a slave. And I know brothers and sisters, I would encourage you to come back next week to bring your brothers and sisters, to invite them to share and experience a revolutionary education. I would also, I would Chuck, also- I, I think uh, uh, Comrade Candy, did you have something that you wanted to say? Okay, go ahead. Let the or were you speak. just like uh, in agreement? I didn't realize that we were running out of time and that was the reason why I took my hand oh. down. But if you had a, a couple minutes, I would say something. But if we're closing, that's fine too. Now go ahead, sister, all power to the people. All power to the people. Thank you so much, comrade, for letting me know about your wonderful group. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of all of you. And I'm so anxious to see all the wonderful work that you guys are doing in your communities. That's where um, our, our uh, like what I always tell my Brown Berets, and I do uh, combat training, self-defense training, communal defense training with my Brown Berets. And I'm always telling them that not only do we have to keep our eyes open for infiltration, whether it be at our jobs, in our churches, um, schools, if you have children, or if you're thinking about having uh, some revolutionary seeds, all power to the people. The schools will try to capture them as well. They are infiltrating their minds. So then all of this is part of what I always tell them. Number one, we live in a world where there's nothing but a synthetic left since 1991. Things have radically changed when we hear in the media who the left is, right? So sometimes someone says, are you the left? I say, I'm a fucking communist, but I don't know about it because we're in the United Snakes and I don't want to be called- All power to the people, uh, all power yes, to the people. <laughs> yes. And then we have to deal with this manufactured disunity that they give us. They give that disunity and every social relation that we have, the personal is political, all power to the people. We have to combat this from from how we relate with one another right whether we use the internet whether or not we're using our, our zines and we have some beautiful communities out there that got the artwork they doing all that I and mean, i don't have the time to write all that much stuff but it, it's there it's there it's a matter of us fighting that infiltration the system the neoliberal or whether if you call it internal colonialism neocolonialism whatever new name we got for it and the academics throw out to us all the time either way is infiltration of our minds it's an ideology that appears to have one out but that that, that appearance is what marx and engels is, it's what che and Mao. it's what all of our wonderful beautiful revolutionaries before us told us to keep our eye out on that they can't destroy us that way but we've got to focus on our unity and our unity we need to move from being allies to accomplices and dismantling this fucked up system, right? We have to be accomplices with each other, which transforms solidarity into that. I'm going to defend you. So we have to move it from self-emancipation that we were talking about earlier. Beautiful lecture, comrade. Thank you so much for that. The working class is supposed to liberate themselves. I say the working class, we have to have communal emancipation. I come from an indigeneity. My Mexica tribe tells me all the time that that individualism and those languages that we've learned through the capitalist system is purpose 
falsely, infiltrating our minds and our hearts, dictating to us what love is. And communist love is everything Comrade was saying tonight. And I appreciate that. But we have to move to that communal emancipation, no matter where we are. And so that's why I say, I commend you all for all the beautiful work that you're doing. And please, if you ever need any support, reach out to us and we're here. Thank you, comrades. All power to the people. All power. Wow, that was a powerful way to end this study. Uh, hopefully next week we have a lot more. I will bring out uh, Young Lords and another Rainbow Coalition of Comrades on. So I want to thank you, Comrade, for that participation. And I want to thank everybody for this participation. We'll uh, see you next week. Remember that we all we got and this struggle can only go forward if each and all of us carry our load. Our power to the people. All power, power to the people. All power. Oh, power. All power to the people.
before I leave you, usually I would just end it right now, but before I leave you, I uh, just want to remind everybody that the Zoom link is going to be the same every week. Um, you can dial in if you have signal issues, uh, and it's a lot more interactive, you know, like you can, you know, put your hand up and participate in the discussions, or you can ask questions if you have questions. Um, ultimately, the purpose of streaming it is in part to, um, you know, make it available to a wider audience and have it so people can watch it later if they miss it. But the end goal is to get people in the Zoom class. Um, that's really all I wanted to add. Um, join us Thursday night for our weekly current event stream. And um, yeah, I guess that's it. See you then. Have a good night. All power to the people.